You are listening to ReachMD, XM233, the channel for medical professionals. Can we keep our heart healthy by what we eat? Welcome to the Clinician Roundtable. I am Dr. Matthew Sorrentino, your host, and with me today is Dr. Neil Stone. Dr. Stone is professor of clinical medicine at the Feinberg School of Medicine at Northwestern University, and he has been a member of the Nutrition Committee for the American Heart Association. Today we're going to talk about nutrition and heart disease. Welcome to the program, Dr. Stone. Thanks, Matt. Pleasure to be here. What I thought I would start with is just some very basic questions. How good is the evidence that what we actually eat, specifically fats in the diet, can actually lead to or cause heart disease? That's a question that a lot of people ask. Uh, ATP3, the adult treatment panel of the National Cholesterol Education Program, tried to take a look at this in 2001. And what they said was, the diet, and we would add lifestyle change with that. In fact, we called the approach the TLC, or therapeutic lifestyle change, can do two things. It can reduce uh, low-density lipoprotein cholesterol, the bad cholesterol, and it can uh, be useful in treating people with multiple metabolic risk factors, which has been called the, the metabolic syndrome. So diet uh, can be helpful in those two areas, although the intensity of the effect varies. And some people who'd like diet to take the place of medication are going to be disappointed. And some people would like diet to give instant results, and they're going to be disappointed. But looking at all the different features of diet and how they fit into an overall program of a healthful lifestyle, uh, in that case, then, I think diet can be quite a useful uh, uh, thing for, for all patients. So it sounds like it's really an overall plan, and it's not a plan that should focus just on fats in the diet. Uh, is it just cholesterol that we eat, or is it everything in combination? There was a lot of confusion in uh, America in the late 1990s, when, or early 1990s, when Dean Ornish came out with a less than 10% fat diet. Indeed, this was not the strategy of the American Heart Association, which actually rejected a 20% or step three diet, because we wanted the focus to remain on the elements of the diet that we felt were not as good. Nonetheless, many people felt that the way to lower saturated fat was to lower total fat. And as I said, the, the Ornish diet uh, program uh, fed into that. In 2001, ATP3 tried to take the focus off total fat by saying that we would like total fat to range from 25 to 35%. And this has now been adopted by the uh, AHA. And the idea is that we think a healthful diet has fats that are not good for you, like saturated fats and trans fats, keeping those low and emphasizing that in some people, especially those who have a tendency toward overweight, obesity, diabetes, something we call insulin resistance, they're not always the same, that they can have more of the good fats, particularly the polyunsaturated fats like uh, seen in fish oils or the monounsaturated fats like in olive oil. So since 2001, the focus hasn't been on lower the lower the fat, the better. But indeed, it's been on try to think about ways to, to keep both fats and carbohydrates in balance in the diet, with the most important factor being to avoid excessive calories that lead to obese, overweight and obesity. Now, you mentioned trans fats. What exactly are trans fats, and how much is in a typical American diet? Whenever, uh, when trans fats were first, they're, they're better known now. 
but they, they're only 2 to 3% of the energy in the diet. We eat a lot more saturated fats than we, than we eat uh, uh, trans uh, fatty acids. But uh, these are fats that have a characteristic uh, a change in their double bond, and, and they're, they're probably helpful in terms of shelf life so that many items that people came to eat very naturally were heavy in saturated fats. And at high levels, uh, trans fats can not only elevate the LDL, the bad cholesterol, but they can lower the good cholesterol. An example that I, I like to mention in lectures came from an article a number of years ago that pointed out that a person who starts the day with a few donuts has a small order of fries at lunch, has some stick margarine for dinner and some commercially baked cookies uh, at bedtime, actually has a high percentage of trans fatty acids and is going to suffer in terms of uh, increased uh, LDL, lower HDL, and increased coronary risk because of it. Now, if only 2 to 3% of the fat in our diet is trans fat, uh, is it really that much to have a national impact on health to the point where municipalities are banning them? The toughest thing when it comes to uh, dietary advice is to have perspective. We have a great tendency in our country to want to set up a bad food, good food. If a little bit is bad, then we've got to get rid of it in the diet. Certainly nobody can be for uh, high amounts of trans fats. But I would argue that the, that the most important thing is to think about how we create a, a dietary pattern a dietary pattern that is is actually uh, overall healthful for the person. Any person who's good at debate can argue all kinds of things about what is good or bad based on any single constituent. But trans fat should be absolutely limited, but whether we spend all of our resources on trans fat and we neglect reducing um, all the excessive uh, uh, saturated fat in the diet, the excessive simple carbohydrates in the diet, and the extra calories in the diet. I think that's the, the point I would make most, most important. Now, the interesting thing about trans fats is that the Zutphen's Netherlands, when they removed trans fats from 4.3% down to about 2%, uh, by changing the industry, they actually were able to lower their 10-year heart rate. That's not the same as a rigid, controlled clinical trial, but it shows that environmental changes can make a difference. So I would focus that we don't need Carry Nation to go out and make sure there's absolutely zero trans fat anywhere. In fact, that would be almost impossible to achieve. But I think trying to, to get industry, and I think they've already started to cooperate, by reducing sources of trans fat, certainly a good idea. But I would put it's, it's, it's necessary, but it's not sufficient. We've got to think about all the parts of the diet that make, that make sense here. You are listening to ReachMD, XM233, the channel for medical professionals. I am Dr. Matthew Sorrentino, and my guest today is Dr. Neil Stone, and we are discussing nutrition and heart disease. I thought I'd like to ask you about low-carbohydrate diets, which are the big fad at this point, uh, such as the Atkins diet and the South Beach diet. The first question that comes to mind is, does a low-carbohydrate diet, and therefore a higher protein and fat diet, does it raise your cholesterol? And the answer is it depends on, it depends on the person and it depends on the time frame. ATP3 if you will, came up with a lower total amount of carbs than previous diets because we said we'll let total fat range from 25 to 35%. And many critics of the American Heart Association wrongly assume that their diets are all uh, high-carb, low-fat. That's actually not true. Uh, and that there is room to 
to be a little bit more, to tailor make the diet. Because if you look at statistics from the 1990s and, and the early part of this century, Americans are eating excessive amount of calories, and specifically as, as carbohydrate. Uh, for example, a website called Portion Distortion that points out just how much we've been supersized, and all that's carbohydrate. A bagel that used to be 140 calories uh, now is 350 calories, and those 210 extra carbs are not good for you, but neither AHA nor uh, anybody else wanted that to happen. And if you and they point out it would take 50 minutes of raking leaves to burn up that extra, those extra carbs. And spaghetti uh, in a restaurant uh, used to be a certain amount of calories. Now it's twice as many calories. And people simply are not spending the time to to, to burn up the calories. So uh, I think the, uh, the the simplistic notion of low carb versus low fat isn't really the best. Uh, isn't really what we want to do. I've debated. Uh, both sides of the issue, actually. And I think the best diet is one that's low in fats like saturated fats and trans fatty acids, but low in excessive carbohydrates that people can't burn up because if they gain weight on these diets, that's certainly not good for the patient. Is there a particular patient type, I'm thinking of the diabetic with high triglycerides, that a lower than currently recommended carbohydrate diet may be particularly useful? Yeah, I, I, I think that patients with what they call the metabolic syndrome, people who have increased abdominal obesity, that's one signal, but that's not all the people with insulin resistance. People with high triglyceride, low HDL especially, uh, a high uh, ratio of triglyceride to HDL seems to give you this, not a perfect but a simple clue as to who might be insulin resistant. 50% uh, of hypertensives are insulin resistant. Again, look for the associated lipid disorder with triglyceride HDL and you're hypertensive and you've got a clue that that's somebody who really would benefit from a lower carbohydrate diet. But I wouldn't make up the, the, um, the calories with saturated or trans fats. I would use things like olive oil or more fish in the diet, fish oil, because they've been shown to, to be healthful additions to the diet. So how would you start uh, giving advice to your typical coronary disease patient who comes to you for some dietary advice? Uh, how do you get them onto a program or help them start choosing a healthy diet? Well, I think there are three phases to it. I think the idea of just handing somebody a book and say, do this, may work in the short term, but I'm worried, I'm worried Matt, that it won't work in the long term. First thing, I think the person has to understand what they're actually eating. I like people to fill out a diet diary for four weeks and then either review it with the dietitian or the office nurse, but find out if there's some pattern to the kinds of foods they like or don't like, because we all like different foods, and there's no way that the diet that works for you or me may be the diet that works for somebody else. Number two, I tell people that our motto is to eat less, and I specifically point about how we're being supersized in the marketplace. Uh, that they can't just eat the portion sizes that have been given to them. Uh, not only are bagels larger, but the cookies are humongous. The uh, the uh, sizes of the pizza are enormous. Uh, the, the turkey sandwiches, which used to be two or 300 calories, are now 600 calories. They're a foot long, and they have all kinds of things in them. So they've got to get an idea about how you've got to get back to normal portion size, and then they've got to think about uh, getting regular exercise as part of the diet. And then and then most uh, important, if they possibly can meet with a dietitian to talk about how you can substitute healthful uh, things for the foods they're eating. For example, a whole wheat bagel, if they like a bagel every day, may be better than 
some of the real large um, just uh, white bread bagels that they've been uh, having. More fish, skinless fowl, could be better than the over-dependence uh, on large amounts of red meat. A number of different things that would allow them to, to get a, a head start here. I basically uh, like people to, to do the diet diary, think about eating uh, less, moving more every day, and then um, if they possibly can, try to uh, save some money by not buying things at the drugstore for which there's no uh, proof of benefit, meeting with a dietitian to really give them uh, uh, an idea of what's, what's indicated. I want to thank Dr. Neil Stone, and we have been discussing nutrition and heart disease. I am Dr. Matthew Sorrentino, and you have been listening to the Clinician's Roundtable on ReachMD XM233, the channel for medical professionals. For comments and questions, send your email to xm at reachmd.com, and thank you for listening.